Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. We, uh, we started out a, a few weeks ago with this call to be all in. And I like being all in. Uh, I figure if I'm going to do something, I want to do it right. I want to do it all the way. I don't want to go part way, halfway. I don't want to be half-baked. I want things to be done the way they're supposed to be done. And I think when it comes to this idea of the church, you know, I mean, the church has gotten a bad rap, okay? I mean, over the years, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been around for so long, and there are so many different kinds of churches, so many different ways of doing church, that I, I think there's been confusion. We've, uh, we've gotten, uh, it's been given a bad rap. And I want to take some of that away today, because you know what? The church, as we're going to discover this morning, is, is less about a building or about Sundays or about teaching or about all of that, and it's really about relationships. And if you know anything about Tim and Linda Buttry, you know that that's the calling that God has placed on our lives, and that is to minister to relationships, to refresh them, restore them, teach them, train them, counsel them, and do all of that. And so I'm grateful today for the opportunity to be able to bring this aspect of this series on All In and talk to you about being all in with community. Community is, the, is just another word that we use here for church. It's the community of believers, the community of faith, uh, the church. So it kind of takes some of those ecclesiastical ideas of church that often have to do with steeples and pipe organs and benches that are uncomfortable and all of that, and I want to I get rid of those ideas, because that's really not what God's idea of church ever was. Those are all man-made ideas. Those are things that happen because denominations break away from denominations and form new ways of doing things to uh, really more to market themselves or to set themselves apart or because they're legalistic or stuck in the mud or boring or whatever. Okay? I don't want to deal with any of those aspects of the church today. I don't want to try to explain them or uh, define them or any of that. But what I want to do today is bring an understanding, a biblical understanding, of what the community of believers is all about. And really what I want to remind us is that a major part of being all in as Christians is what the Scripture refers to as being devoted to one another. That's my focus for this morning, this idea of fellowship, community. It's the idea of being devoted to one another. And we aren't going to be able to be the church or like the church or be fulfilled in the church if we are not devoted to one another. It's not enough for just the pastor to be devoted to his congregation or his sheep, as we've referred to it before. It's, it's about all of us being devoted to one another. If you're here just because Pastor Gill is a profound teacher and is able to speak without notes, which 
I cannot do. And he is deep and insightful, and that's the only reason that you're here. You're going to leave someday because either he's going to die, or he's going to leave, or he's going to change in some way that you're not going to like, or he's going to say something that pushes your button, and because you don't like your buttons getting pushed, and you're actually going to a church where maybe you won't get your buttons pushed, guess what you're going to do? You're going to find another church. You're going to either leave here and go somewhere else, or you're going to stop going altogether because you're not devoted to one another, which is what the church is supposed to be all about. So let's look at our theme verse again. Let's go back to where each of the speakers so far have brought us, where we have extracted all of our messages, our talks over the last several weeks. Uh, Josh starting out with telling us about what it means to be all in. Ashley pointing us to a devotion to God's Word and the truth that comes in the Bible. Uh, Last Sunday, life uh, called us to a devotion, a commitment to prayer. I loved what he said about being real, about being humble, and embracing mystery. And life was being what I'm talking about this morning. Last Sunday, he was vulnerable. He was transparent. He was real. He told you about his life. He told you about his struggles. I, I, I can't, when I listened, I, we were on vacation last week, and I listened on the podcast, and I cried like probably many of you did when he told about his brother. That at 10 years old, his brother goes in for surgery and doesn't come out again. And I couldn't help but take it to my own life with my own brother. And I remember what it was like being brothers and how much time we spent together and how much we did and how much I knew him. And I couldn't help but think, what would it have been like? I can't get my head around that life. I, I just can't. I, I can't comprehend what it would have been like. And, and life touched us because he was real. He was transparent. He was devoted to you enough to be honest about what it felt like. And during first service, I walked up to a, couple, a, a, a few people that were sitting in the third row. They were the first ones here. And I had not met them, so I talked to them. And he asked me if he could have information to get a hold of life. Because two years ago, their 33-year-old daughter died suddenly. And he's still dealing with it. And just talking about it, he sat there as I stood across from him, and he cried. Tears in his eyes, still very real. You know, that's, to me, that's symbolic of the way it's supposed to be. You know why he goes to Grace Crossing? Because a friend of theirs who goes to this church asked Pastor Gill if he would do the funeral for their daughter because they didn't have a pastor and they didn't have a church. Guess what? They've been going here for two years now because they found a place where it was okay to be broken. It was okay to be sorrowful. It was a place where they could find 
strength, support, uh, love, and for two years. And then two years later, someone speaks and touches that area again. <laughs> and you know what? He wasn't upset. He wasn't angry. He didn't despise the fact that somebody reminded him of his pain. He related to the fact that someone else felt his pain. And he asked me if I could give him contact information to get a hold of life because he wanted to tell him how much it meant to him that life shared his life. And that is the church. That's community. Not, not, not community likes on TV, not community likes at the community center, not, not community likes at the bar, although some of those things can embody or, or uh, include some of the ingredients of what it means to be in relationship, but God has a better idea, and it's supposed to work, and it's supposed to work well, and we've got to be devoted to each other so that we can show this world that there really is a place where relationship works. Because when it all comes down, really what it's all about, this idea of church, this idea of community, it's about one thing. It's about relationship. Pure and simple. It's about relationship. And that's why I'm glad I get to talk about this, because that's what I do. That's what I know the best, and I see the handiwork of God in relationships and church, marriage, family, church, and how they are really all including, they all include the same dynamics, the same ingredients. What makes marriage work, what makes family work, what makes friendship work is what makes the church work. The reason the church has gotten a bad rap is because we haven't done relationship well. Because we haven't been honest. And because we haven't been honest, because we put on the facade, because we make everything look like we're okay, the same thing that happens in a marriage that's falling apart, because one hasn't been honest with the other about what they really feel, or worse yet, the other person isn't safe enough for them to be honest, so they disconnect. They're not real. They don't know each other. How is this happening? How did we get here? Why are you doing this? I didn't know this was what you felt. And all of that is the same thing that plays out in the church. And as a result, the world, as we refer to it, everybody else that's out there, so to speak, what do they call the church more often than not? They're, that it's filled with a bunch of what? Hypocrites. How sad is that? I mean, really. Now, I'm not saying that that's what we are. And I'm not saying that that's what this church is, but what I am suggesting is that the church has missed it because we've missed out on what it means to be in relationship. We don't know what it means to be intimate. Now, intimacy is not what we often think. So to think that the church 
involves intimacy, you're going to have to get past all of our social structures that tell us that intimacy has to do with one thing, physical. It's not. Intimacy is what God wants with all of us individually and for all of us to have with each other corporately. Intimacy, as Linda and I define it, is simply this, into me see. It's about being real, about being honest, about being transparent, about letting it all hang out, about being all in. Baby, let your hair hang down. Let's get back to the 60s, you know. Let's, let's put some flowers in our hair. Let's just get real with each other. Let's enjoy what it means to be friends instead of putting on an air that we've got it all figured out or that we don't want anybody else to know what's going on in our lives. So Acts chapter 2 is where we are given this model, this idea. What does it look like? Let's read it together. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. I I love that. (laughs) Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I don't know. I'm going to take a little freedom here. And I'm going to suggest that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, not because of the miracles, but because of what precedes it, that they broke bread together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. There was something happening in that group of people that was alluring, was desirable, was interesting, was unique, and that inspired people to want to find out what is happening there. Now, we've said that before. We want to be the kind of people that makes people want to come to Jesus. Okay, I get it. You know where that's going to happen the most? Is the way you treat the person sitting next to you right now. And when we become known as a church because we are enjoying each other, we're eating together, we have glad and sincere hearts, we're praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Guess what? People are going to want to be part of it. They're going to get saved. They're going to find Jesus. They're going to find the author and finisher of their faith. They're going to learn what it means to have relationship with God, with their family, their spouse, their extended family. All of these are what makes it work. Over the last few years, I think we here at Grace Crossing and probably a lot beyond, further beyond that, prefer the word community over the most commonly used word, which is fellowship, found in most Bible translations. 
Which word we use isn't really important, I believe, as long as we understand what was intended by the original text in Bible study and in preparation for teaching and, and teaching on the Bible, that's called exegesis, being exegetical. It's learning to understand what the author, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was trying to communicate to the listener. So it doesn't matter what the word is because the original word is not a word we use. The word really used in the inspiration of this, in the original writing of it, was a Greek word. And that Greek word was koinonia. Has anybody ever heard of that word? It's one that's kind of common. Uh, I, I remember there was a, a, an actually um, a jazz, a Christian jazz band uh, that became very famous back in the 70s and 80s called koinonia. Great band. That was the name of their band, koinonia, based on this Greek word, which we've translated as fellowship or community. So, I want to help you understand what, what it means in the original text. Embedded in the original Greek words, which are koinonia and koinonos, we discover what true community is about. By definition, it, is, it involves three things, and I'm going to use these three themes, these three concepts, to really build the rest of my talk on this morning. By definition, it is first a close mutual association characterized by three things, participation in, sharing with, and contribution to the community of believers. So, three things, Prep, uh, participation in, sharing with, and contribution to. That is what makes up, or that's how we participate in koinonia, in fellowship, in the community of believers. I, I personally actually prefer the word community because of its direct association with the word communion. I, I like the word communion. I like it for a lot of reasons. I like it because it sounds nice. I like it because it kind of flows off your tongue. Communion. Just kind of makes you just kind of mellow out. Just communion. That's Tim. This is me. Just being me. So sorry. You can laugh or think that guy is weird. You know, whatever. I'm being real. Okay? Communion. But here's another reason I like it. Because about what it is. Jesus told us to do something regularly so we don't forget what he did for us. He wanted us to stay in intimate relationship with him. So he said, as often as you drink this cup and eat this bread, you do it in remembrance of me. And we have called that, some call it the Eucharist, we've referred to it as communion. Communion. What, what, what does that mean about communion? What is this idea of communion? Well, that word, communion, actually comes from a Latin word, communis. And I'm in good company in appreciating the fact that communion or community is a better word for what we're talking about here because it's based on this word communis. And St. Augustine also preferred this word because he believed that the word was derived from two Latin words, com, 
which means with or together, combined with a second Latin word, unis, which means oneness or union. So what we're talking about, when we're talking about all in, when we're talking about the community of believers, when we're talking about fellowship, when we're talking about the church, what we're talking about is being in oneness, with oneness. Okay, now just stop for a second and think about that. With oneness. It's no wonder that the institutions of marriage and the church are so closely connected in Scripture. I think we, we miss that, and I think that we make people that aren't married feel out of place because we connect marriage and the church as if it's some kind of thing you have to do to, to, to be in. That is ridiculous. That's not even close to the point. The point is, is that there is a commonality to what makes those two institutions so similar. The same thing that makes marriage work is the same stuff that makes church work. When marriages are not working, it's because there is a lack of honesty, there is a lack of safety, there is a lack of love, there is a lack of devotion, there is no consideration, there is self-centered... I mean, I could just go on and on. You could tell this is what I do for a living. Okay, this is the stuff I see all the time. The same things are what makes church successful. Honesty, safety, devotion, loyalty, other-centeredness, love. All of those make relationship work with oneness. Simply put, community is about relationships. The community of believers is to be a place, an environment, where we can fulfill our purpose of two things. The same two things that Jesus said that all of the law and the prophets boiled down come out to two things. One, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. The community of believers is a place an environment where we can fulfill our purpose of loving God and loving others. That's it. You don't come here on Sunday to be fed. You don't come here on Sundays to hear your favorite teacher or speaker. You don't come here to have a place for your kids to learn what you need to be teaching them anyway. <laughs> You come here to be a part of the body. You're here for a reason. Your personality is necessary to balance out what it is that God is doing in Grace Crossing Church. Your values, your insights, your abilities, your failures, your successes, your interests, all of it is welcome here. And if you don't see that role, that part, that piece of what it is that you're here for, 
you're going to be unhappy or unfulfilled, and someone else is going to miss out on something that only you can bring to the table. I never thought about it, but bring to the table? I mean, think about it. That's, that's what communion was, wasn't it? We come to the table. Think about home. Where is it that we find the most conversation when we bring it to the table where we sit down and we eat together? There is symbolism and, uh, and, and connection to all of these things. We get so used to saying these phrases and words, we, we lose the, the, the power behind them. We bring these things to the table. We need you to bring you to the table because you bring something that we need. Because we make a mistake to not help those that aren't married or don't have their own families, we make the mistake of not making them feel like they are a part of all of this. So I want to speak to the singles that are here today. Young men and women, those that are not married or chosen not to be married or whatever the reasons are, it doesn't matter because it's not about your marital state. It's about your relationship with God and with others that makes you a part of this body. And I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to misunderstand that. So I want to speak to the singles that maybe hope to get married. Let me tell you something. Buying into the community of believers will teach you more about marriage and intimacy than any other place on the planet. You will learn more about what it means to be in an intimate relationship here than any other place I know of. You can experience others here and learn from them either their mistakes or their successes you can give to other people because see here's what what happens a lot of times in our culture if you are single you are in a position where you think you are alone you're on your own and as a result you learn how to be more independent this community of believers that I'm talking about whether you want to be married or you don't plan on getting married, if you are single, I don't want you to make the mistake of thinking that it's okay for you to become self-centered and self-reliant. That is the opposite of what it means to be a follower of Christ. To be a follower of Christ means that all of us are to be dependent on one another, which is part of being devoted, because I realize I'm devoted to you because I need you. And if I don't believe I need you, or if I believe that it's easier to do it myself, or if I've discovered that it's, it's, it's uh, funner or easier or less whatever to be independent, then you are going to struggle being in relationship. You're going to struggle when somebody thinks differently than you do or wants to do a task differently or doesn't see something in you and they see it in someone else. I mean, all of those things can have a negative effect on you. But if you are single, become entrenched in the community of faith. Be involved. Be a leader. 
Start a group. Help with the kids. Help with the uh, youth. Be a part of something. Because you are important. You have the... I, I was a young adult pastor. I worked with mostly young adult singles for the first ministry portion of my life. Back in 1985. Actually, earlier than that, but that doesn't matter. The point being that I believed that those individuals had tremendous gifts, tremendous abilities, a lot more time than those of us that were married, and had a desire that was beyond what I understood at first. And I took everyone that worked in, or that was a part of my singles group and young adult group, my, one of my goals was to get them involved in some area of ministry in the church. I had them working with the kids. I had them working as ushers. I had them working in the tech booth. I had them all over. And guess what? I don't know, personally, I don't know any that aren't serving God still, that aren't still in a local church because they found themselves. They found others, and they learned what it meant to be in the community of believers. Community is where we become a part of a vision that's greater than us, a mission that challenges us, and relationships that refine us. Let's look at these common themes that are found in those four words I referred to earlier, and I'm, I, I am looking at the clock. I don't know what time I started, so I can't tell you what time I'll end. But let's just start from right now, okay? It's 12.15. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, let, let's look at the three themes that come from these four words. The words, again, koinonia, fellowship, communion, and community. The first thing is participation in. Participating in the community of believers. Let's look at our verse for this, this thought. 2 Peter chapter 1. I love this passage. It's been one of my favorites for a long, long, long time. And I hope that it becomes one of yours. Here it is in the message. It says this. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God, which is Jesus. The best invitation we ever received. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. Your tickets to participation in the life of God after you turned your back on a world corrupted by lust. So friends, confirm God's invitation to you, His choice of you. Don't put it off. Do it now. Do this and you'll have your life on a firm footing. That's exactly what I was talking about a couple of minutes ago. You'll have your life on a firm footing. The streets paved and the way wide open into the eternal kingdom of our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we get stuck on the idea of that the, the, the road is narrow to the kingdom. But that's because of sin and selfishness, and rebellion, and all of those things that are in the world that's corrupted by lust. Once you're in, <laughs> seriously, get this. Once you're in, it's not narrow anymore. In fact, because of great promises, because of great people, because of God's profound institution of, of, of 
church, the, the road is actually really wide. It doesn't have to be hard all the time. This scripture can change your perspective, can show you things about this life we call the Christian life. I appreciate what Shar said, that sometimes it's hard, and there are times that we go through really, really rough, difficult things. But, but really, it's made a whole lot easier when you've got hundreds of people that are devoted to you. I mean, really, that, that's just logic. And why do we avoid it? Why are we afraid of it? I believe the reason we're afraid of it is because we're afraid of being ourselves. And we're afraid that we won't be accepted, but we're going to do everything we know how to do to make sure that doesn't happen, that you are known, loved, and accepted. This participation we're talking about isn't an appointment on the calendar or a day of the week. And I think sometimes we have a, a tendency to compartmentalize our lives, to kind of separate spiritual life from uh, regular life or church community from neighborhood community. And the problem is when we begin to compartmentalize, we miss the point. We begin thinking that community has an on and off switch, something we choose rather than something to which we are inextricably connected to. And there's so many things just going through my heart right now and stories I wish I could tell you that Linda and I have experienced where we would have had every reason or right in the natural to say, forget the church, forget it. Too much trouble, too much pain, too much sorrow. Why didn't they love us? Why did they tell us it was best for us to just go somewhere else? Why, why, why? I could. We could feel completely justified. But we understood something about the kingdom, about the church, about the community of believers, where it wasn't about whether it was uncomfortable or if somebody else didn't get it right. It was about I am inextricably connected to the kingdom to the church, to the body. I will not thrive. I will not work. If I am a little finger or a toe, I am worthless, disconnected from the body, as, if, as any part of the body would be disconnected from it. Right? Right? I know, I get, I get excited, I get animated, because this, this matters to me. This makes a difference to me. If we could get this, I believe that it would do what Peter also said in one of his passages where he said that if we will love each other and do what we're supposed to do, it will speed up the coming of the Lord. I think he's, he's waiting because we haven't gotten it yet. <laughs> and if we could get it, and if I could say anything that helps us get it, well, then that's pretty awesome because it could, it could help us all. So, second thing, sharing with the community of believers. A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Kind of goes back to the passage in Acts, where people were coming to Christ because they were watching the disciples. They were watching these people, and they're going, hey, that, that's what I've been looking for. I haven't found that anywhere else. So, They'll know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So, 
The key to true community begins with intentional transparency. Intentional, let me explain what I mean. First, engage others. We have to be engaged. We have to be a part. We have to be there. You can't just come every couple months and be engaged, be a part. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong or that it's a sin to do that. I'm just saying if you want to be part of the body, if you want to be part of the community, you got to be engaged. Engaged simply means being involved on an intimate basis. Perhaps the most effective way to experience true community here at Grace Crossing is through our community groups. And although most of our groups are not meeting through the summer, we will have a formal reboot of those community groups on September 21st where our theme will be Say Yes to Community. So we're going to stop here on June 22nd, and we're going to pick it back up again on September 21st, and I hope you remember what we talked about in June. And that when that opportunity comes for you to be a part of one of those groups, you'll say yes to community. Secondly, be, uh, intentional transparency is measured transparency. You don't have to reveal every deep, dark secret. Start with the insignificant and gradually move into the more significant. Being measured is not to be deceptive. It's not about being deceptive. Being measured is rather to prove the safety trustworthiness, and reciprocity of vulnerability from others. I want you to take your time to get there. Just get there. And the only way you can be there is to be engaged and to be intentional. And then the the third thing about intentionality is accept diversity. I'm sorry. It's just part of the package. No one's going to be like you. And if you want everybody to, to think like you, dress like, go to a country club. The church is never intended to be that. It's meant to be diverse. It's intended to have different ways of doing things, different ways of dressing. Uh, I grew up in the, in the 60s, and I remember when the hippie movement, and people were having long hair and, and, and wearing sandals to church, and, oh, man, the church went ballistic. The, the world was ending because people had long hair and beards and, and, and wore shorts and, and uh, carried guitars and sang songs. What a mistake that was. We didn't understand that the church is not about looking the same. It's about being devoted to one another. These kids were coming in and wanting to be a part of what they thought was the thing Wasn't that where they were supposed to land? Didn't you all get it? And we unfortunately communicated to them we didn't get it. And I think we get it more, but I still think we've got a ways to go. Community doesn't exist without quirkiness, disagreement, awkwardness, and difference. We, all of us different and distinct, are made one in Christ. Let's go to the third and final point contributing to the community of believers. I draw this from Romans 12. Let's read it together. Verse 4 to 6. We are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people, the community, the church. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped-off finger or a cut-off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? 
So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. I love that. And I love the way the message says it. It is so simple. That is the message of today. It is in the context of community, according to Scripture, that we discover our individual gifts, we discover our calling, we discover how we are to make our unique contribution to the well-being and the blessing of all. To make a contribution to this community of believers, we are asking you only to bring one thing. That's it. One thing. You. To contribute to this body of believers, this community, all we're asking you to bring is you. All of you. Your sins, your history, your strengths and weaknesses, your talents and treasure, your needs, your idiosyncrasies. Yep, we want the real you. That's it. Doesn't that feel good? Feels good to me. I'm getting butterflies. <laughs> Let me conclude with another passage of Scripture. I know the time's gone. I didn't even read this one first service. But you're blessed. I'm going to give you another passage of Scripture to take home with you. Here's what it says. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit, that's another way of putting it, isn't it? I kind of like that. Being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you. If you have a heart, <laughs> if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. You do that. You be you. Bring the real you. And do this. We, I don't even want to say it. Because it doesn't matter. What I do know is, though, it works. And you play a part in that. A big part. It's not the leadership that's making this church what it is. It's you. That's the truth. 
So if the church is going to stay relevant and engaged in our culture, we need to figure this community thing out. And so let me just pray a blessing over what God has put into our hearts today. Lord, thank you for the freedom that I felt today to just be me and to share my heart and to feel it deeply and to say it passionately and to express myself in a way that I hope first and foremost honors you, but because I'm devoted to these people that are a part of this congregation, this community, this church we call Grace Crossing, then, Lord, I, I hope that what I've brought will be inspirational, will be helpful, will be encouraging, and perhaps will even be a bit uh, unsettling, maybe a little painful in a way because they've got to do something that's different than what they've been doing. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you'd take it, multiply it, break it, bless it, use it, and send us out of here remembering that we are inextricably connected and yet we each play a part to be a blessing to one another in profound ways. So Lord, thank you. Bless our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.